Before we begin, if there are any visitors here, um, the bulletin says that Reverend Paul Calvin is preaching, but that's Reverend Paul Calvin. I'm, I'm Chris Peterson, and I'm a, an assistant priest here, and we had kind of a last-minute change, but that's all right. So with that, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Almighty God, whose only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, ascended into heaven, may our hearts and minds also there ascend, and with him continually dwell, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So, this week is the week of ascension. Last Thursday was Ascension Thursday. Forty days after Christ's resurrection, he ascended into heaven, and we have these ten days in the middle where we're waiting for the coming of the Spirit. Christ is not here. And I have to confess to you that through a lot of my Christian life, I didn't really know what to do with the Ascension, right? It, it, it's there, and same with the Holy Spirit. Even when I went to, I, I attended a charismatic church earlier, in my life, and, um, and even then, where there's such a strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit, other than, like, he does amazing things, and he makes me nice, presumably, and he guides me. He reminds me of my Bible passages I memorized. But beyond that, like, you know, and, um, and so these are, like, these are two of the passages that, that um, or two of the elements of our faith that I struggled to integrate with my understanding of Christ's death and his atoning for my sins and what was it, what's this all about? It was kind of like, you know, this is Jesus' classy exit at the end of the story. Elvis has left the building. And, and yet, as I've grown and thought and meditated and grown in the tradition of this church that we are part of, and the history of the ancient church, um, I have come to an appreciation of the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit in new and powerful ways. And brothers and sisters, I, I just want to say, if Christ has not ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit has not come, we are not saved. And we are without hope. Christ entered into the cloud, and from there he reigns the Holy Spirit upon us. We could say many, many, many things about the ascension and the Holy Spirit, but there's one thing I think I'd like to just kind of settle on a little bit and think about tonight, this afternoon, and that is that the glorified Christ entered into the cloud and from there, he reigns the Holy Spirit upon us. The Exodus, the book of Exodus, has the gospel written all over it. And the gospel has the book of Exodus written all over it. The two are so interwoven. I had an Old Testament professor early on who said the pivotal moment 
in salvation history in the Old Testament is the Exodus. It's not anything else. Everything else leads up to and is denouement. And in fact, the gospel is the reclaiming of what was lost there. The gospel is written over the Exodus, and the Exodus is written over the gospel. And in the Exodus, God is in the glory and the fire, and he's in the cloud. From beginning to end, starting with the burning bush where Moses sees God in, in a consuming fire, to the very, very last verse, the very last verse of the entire book of Exodus where the, the, Israel, the camp of Israel is set up in a square, each tribe in its own square, and then the whole nation is in a square. And in the middle of that is the tabernacle. And the very last verse, no denouement in this, the climax of the entire book of Exodus, the cloud and the glory pour down out of heaven into the midst of the people on the tabernacle. God is in the glory and he is in the cloud. When you see the cloud and the glory in Exodus, it means God is there. And that means something for us, too. First of all, it means that the cloud and the glory are the place of protection. The cloud and the glory are the place of protection. Do you remember that passage where, or that moment in the Exodus where the Israelites have been taken out of Egypt and they've left but they haven't crossed the Red Sea and they're standing there right there with the sea in front of them and Egypt is behind them and all is good until the Pharaoh changes his mind and he comes after them and the people find themselves caught between the ocean and a murderous army and in that moment in that moment, it says the cloud and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire lifts up and it washes over the people. It like passes over them. It's almost like a second Passover. And it settles down between the people and their enemy. And it keeps them as far as light from dark. God is in the midst of the cloud and the glory and it means protection for the people of Israel. Later on, the Apostle Paul calls that their baptism. He explicitly says they are baptized into the cloud and into the sea. Now, the sea I get, but they're baptized into the cloud as it lifts up and washes over them. They are plunged into God in this moment, in his protective, mighty power on their behalf. And maybe more to the point, God plunges into them. And so there is this experience of God washing over them and in them and through them to protect them from death. And Christ, the glorified Christ, entered into the cloud, and from there he reigns God's Holy Spirit of protection 
upon us. The song we sang just now, the Magnificat, the entire theme and emphasis of that song of Mary is that God protects the humble and brings low the powerful. That God, the rich are brought low and the hungry are fed. As the richest country in the world and the strongest country in the world, that humbles me as a citizen of that country. God protects. And what is more, the fact that Christ ascended into the cloud and pours out that spirit upon us means that his hand of protection is upon you. We have been looking a little bit at 1 Peter throughout this past season. And today he says, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you. Don't be surprised. That's not, it should not be a shock to you. Be prepared. This is what will happen. It'll start with us and it will spread to the whole world. That's not the way it was supposed to happen, is it? I thought we were supposed to like come out nice and clean and easy. We're saved. Oh, he says, don't be surprised. And then at the end, cutting to the chase, he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's word or God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. And he dwells in a glorious cloud. And he rains his spirit upon you. And he will protect you. When you come to the cloud and the glory, you also come to the place of adoption, covenantal adoption. These are all moments. A covenant is a forged bond of relationship, like an officialized. It's the difference between dating someone and marrying them. Big difference, right? A covenant is a moment that forges a bond And it is a moment in which God adopts a people. And so in the Exodus, God comes to the people and he takes these slave people, these enslaved people out of Egypt, people who do not have a father, who do not have a God. They live under the tyrannous tyrannous God of the Egyptians, gods of the Egyptians. And he brings them out and he forges a covenant on the top of Mount Sinai. And when God meets Moses, he descends in what? A cloud, a dark, deep cloud that no one can see into, scares the people to death. They run back to their tents and say, you talk to him, Moses, and zoop, close up the tent. And God, in that moment that terrified them, initially, he adopted them. He made them his precious people. That also is a moment about baptism. That also is a moment about Pentecost and about ascension. Because Christ ascended up into heaven and from there sent the Holy Spirit to you. That is what baptism does. It fills you It washes you, it cleanses you with the presence of God in the name of Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. 
So it is a moment of adoption, covenantal adoption. The Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit, he actually even calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption. Friends, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were without a family, but now you are the family of God. You belong. You have been redeemed and adopted because the glorious Christ went into the cloud and rained the Holy Spirit upon you, the spirit of adoption. And when you see the cloud and the glory, you see the place of prayer. That sounds kind of like an old-time Baptist sermon, doesn't it? It's the hour and place of prayer, which is a good thing. I, I appreciate that. That is a tradition, in part, that Miriam and I come from originally. The cloud and the glory is the place of prayer. As I had mentioned before, it is at the tabernacle, which is the tent of meetings, the place where, where intercessions are made, where Moses pleads for the people, where he asks for their forgiveness, where he calls on them, on God, for them, and on their behalf. That is the place of prayer, and it happens now in the tabernacle, right in the center of all of Israel. And in the very last passage, as I'd mentioned before, in the very last verse, the glory in the cloud as the climax of the entire thing finally comes and dwells among God's people in the tabernacle. In Romans 8, it says not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Like, oh, can we take a minute and let that sink in? That God himself is praying for you. In the moment on an icy road, God is praying for you. On a moment of fear about what is about to happen in your annual review, God is praying for you. In the moment where you fear that your relationships are falling apart, your finances are broken, and the end of the world seems like it is here, I want you to know that God is praying for you. Truly, I think that that is what Paul meant when he wrote in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Like, what's the worst that can happen to me? Bankruptcy? A bad annual review? What is the worst that can happen to me? God is praying for me himself. Our gospel passage, our gospel passage is the high priestly prayer of Jesus, the high priest who dwells in the temple, giving out his spirit of prayer and praying for you. For the apostles, the next passage after this 
it says that I'm not just praying for the apostles, I'm praying for those who will believe from their message. That's us. He has been praying for you before you were born for 2,000 years. I believe, I believe that if I can truly hold on to those things, if I can truly hold on and wrap my mind around the fact that God wants to protect me, that God wants to adopt me, and that God is praying that God has adopted me, and that God is praying for me, that I think we can face anything, no matter how hardship, how much hardship, no matter how much pain, no matter how much fear. Because the glorified Christ entered the cloud, and from there he reigns the Holy Spirit on us. There are humbling moments in life, humbling moments that are hard to come to grips with, hard to walk through, hard to understand. Um, I don't have any of those answers for you. The answer I have is that Christ is at the throne of God and his spirit, by his spirit, he is here. He is Jacob's ladder, top to bottom. Top to bottom. And so, Church of the Redeemer, this Ascension Day, as we find our place again and again, continually, day after day, upon that ladder, of him who has ascended into heaven but dwells here on earth by his spirit. Let us continue to hold fast. Hold fast. For he reigns his spirit upon us and his glory and the cloud always envelop. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.